And when he had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kaz, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. In coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nassau of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. So this is uh, sort of the beginning of the end of this series in Acts that we've uh, been in for the better part of a year. Uh, the big idea this morning is that when God's people obey God's spirit, God shows out. People see what God is like. And I wanted to open up just by giving a quick run through of where we've been in Acts to get to this point where Paul's now setting his face toward Jerusalem. So the author of Acts is named Luke. He wrote uh, sort of a two-part volume known as Luke-Acts. And it's really, Acts is now a continuation of the work that Luke wrote about Jesus starting in his gospel. That ministry of Jesus is now continued through the Holy Spirit in the people of God. So Luke 24, verse 44 and following closes with this. This is the risen Jesus talking to his disciples. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is the commission that we're going to see picked up in Acts. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus telling his disciples that you're going to be my witnesses, proclaiming repentance and forgiveness for sins in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to leave you a helper to help you do that work. And then in Acts 1, verse 6, Acts opens this way. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Acts records the continued work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in his church to take the good news of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem out to the ends of the earth. The next section of Acts, chapters 2 through 7, the gospel is beginning to spread throughout Jerusalem, the good news of Jesus. So Jerusalem was the capital of uh, the city of God's people. And in this special city, there was a special place called the temple. And within the temple was the Holy of Holies, where God dwelt amongst his people. In Acts chapter 2, Jews from the surrounding area, the surrounding region, came to Jerusalem to celebrate, uh, celebrate the wheat harvest and what's called the Pentecost. And at Pentecost is where Jesus gives his promised Holy Spirit to his disciples. We see the Holy Spirit fall on the disciples, and they all, in tongues, languages they didn't know, are proclaiming the good works of God. And God's people, Jews that have been scattered, are now coming back to Jerusalem for this festival are hearing the good news of Jesus in a language they understand and are receiving it and receiving the forgiveness of their sins in Jesus' name. Peter, during Pentecost, stands up and gives a sermon, and this is what Peter said. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so not just all Jews who call on the name of the Lord. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we're starting to see the gospel now uh, uh, even God's presence now move out of the temple and into God's people through his spirit. And they responded. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, remember the message, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. God's people, obedient to God's spirit, now continuing the ministry of Jesus, bearing witness to the forgiveness of sins that's found through faith in Jesus Christ. And immediately the Jewish leadership begins opposing this message. We see in, uh, towards the end of this section, uh, chapters 5, 6, 7. The Jews are opposing this message. They're warning the, the apostles to stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Partly because the Jews are the one that crucified Christ. And this message of hope and forgiveness of sins really convicts them of the sin that they're guilty of. Chapter 7 ends with the stoning of Stephen after his convicting message to the Jewish leaders. But it doesn't have the intended effect. Remember the the Jews now, uh, I'm sorry, the, the believers now who have received this good word of Jesus uh, in, in face of persecution are now fleeing Jerusalem, leaving Jerusalem, but taking the seed of the gospel with them. Which brings us to Acts chapter 8 uh, through chapter 12, where this good news of Jesus is going now from Jerusalem out into Judea and Samaria, the surrounding communities, and for the first time to non-Jewish peoples. So this section opens up with Philip who goes out from Jerusalem to Samaria and takes this good news of Jesus uh, to 
what were the Jerusalem Jews' least favorite people, the Samaritans. Not only are people now taking this message to non-Jewish people, but they're receiving it. They are turning from their sin and putting their uh, hope and faith in Jesus. And they're receiving the promised Holy Spirit, which is confirmation that this word and this uh, saving message is not just for the Jews, but for anyone who would call on the name of Jesus. In this section, we also see the powerful conversion of Saul, the early church's greatest persecutor. You remember Saul was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a proud Jew. He was dragging off men and women from their homes, throwing them into jail because of their preaching in the name of Jesus. And he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his heart is changed, and his life is changed. And the very people that he persecuted, he begins ministering to. Peter's vision is also in this section of Acts, where God reveals in a vision to Peter not to call anything unclean that God has called clean. Again, just affirming that this message is not only for God's chosen people, the Jews, but for anyone who would believe. This section culminates with the multi-ethnic church in Antioch, large multi-ethnic group of believers that have received this good news of Jesus and have committed themselves to carrying on this ministry. They begin sending out missionaries, which leads us to the next section, chapters 13 through 20, where we see several missionary journeys highlighted. One thing I want to emphasize here that it's easy to read Acts and think that it's all about the apostles and the work that the apostles were doing. But the, the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem out and out into these surrounding regions is not just credited to the apostles and the work that uh, Paul and Barnabas and his uh, traveling partners were doing. Remember at Pentecost when Jews had gathered and heard the message and then went back to their homes with the seed of the gospel. The gospel is spreading through the work and the faithfulness of just ordinary people taking the message of Jesus to their homes. So they're preaching this message of repentance and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And as God's people are doing this in obedience to the Spirit, God is showing out. Gospel communities are spreading, and opposition to Jesus from the Jews is really starting to heat up. So that's all sort of the context of where we're at today. Paul has just wrapped up the third of these missionary journeys, and the Holy Spirit now is leading him to go back to Jerusalem, where Paul started and has a reputation as a Pharisee of Pharisees and persecutor of the church. Paul knows that it's, it's going to, uh, not going to go well for him, uh, partly because the Holy Spirit has already told him, in every city that you go to, imprisonment and affliction uh, will be waiting for you. And that's pretty much been his experience on these missionary journeys, right? Everywhere Paul's gone, he's been beaten, he's been thrown in jail, he's been opposed, he's been accused. But if we listen to the way that Paul is uh, greeting these folks that he's seeing on his way back to Jerusalem, there's this sense in which this, there's a little more permanence. It's going to be bad, yes, but different this time for Paul. So verses 1 through 7 of our passage this morning we see Paul, um, he's in a hurry because the Holy Spirit has told him to get back to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost. And so he's strategically stopping outside of some of these major cities where he's had a work and a ministry uh, to meet with specific Christians and not really spend the time that he would like to spend greeting these people and saying his goodbyes. And 
Nate covered this a couple weeks ago, but you see the, uh, the drama play out as Paul's saying goodbye to these people. They've shared ministry together. They've suffered alongside one another. And uh, these Christians in Tyre and in Caesarea are sad to see Paul go. It's also clear that the Holy Spirit is the one that's leading Paul to go back to Jerusalem. Uh, it's been prophesied several times before this passage this morning, and then a couple times even in this passage, that we see God's people, uh, in obedience to his Spirit, telling Paul, it's not going to go well for you in Jerusalem, but that's where you need to go next. And so Paul's friends are telling him, Paul, don't go. If you're going there to suffer, don't go. But Paul sets his face to Jerusalem. So the book of Acts is the continuation of the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through his people. Our path, just like Paul's path and just like Jesus' path, will be a path that includes tears and suffering and giving. Just look at the parallels to Jesus' life between Jesus and Paul. Both obeyed the Holy Spirit and walked a really difficult path of suffering. Both shared a love for and a grief over God's people, the Jews. Both longing for them to turn from their sin and find uh, forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Both Jesus and Paul had their sufferings prophesied and foretold. Confirmed by various prophecies. And Agabus, the way that he prophesies in this passage this morning, is uh, an Old Testament style of prophecy where he actually acts out what's going to happen. Both Jesus and Paul had friends and followers try to discourage them from following this path of suffering. Both were opposed by the Jews and then turned over to the Gentiles. And then both ended their ministry coming through Jerusalem, not to be served, but to serve and to lay their life down for others. But obeying the Holy Spirit is not just suffering and tears and sacrifice. We know that it doesn't go well for Paul. The rest of the book of Acts, we're going to see uh, Paul spending more time in prison, more beatings, more opposition, more persecution, more loneliness. But his obedience in following the call of the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem is massively fruitful. Paul is persecuted by the Jews and then turned over to the Romans, where he spends a lot of time under house arrest. And as we finish up our series in the book of Acts, we're going to see over and over and over the rest of Paul's ministry in Jerusalem and then into Rome, is Paul just sharing the gospel with people, telling people the good news of Jesus, people hearing and receiving that word and being saved. This is how Luke describes the end of Paul's ministry in Acts 28. Paul announced the kingdom of God, boldly teaching all about the Lord Jesus, totally unhindered. Paul will go on to write much of the New Testament, uh, including his letter to the Philippians, where he says, to me, to live is Christ." To die is gain while he's on house arrest in Jerusalem. So this is the pattern. Jesus, his life and ministry, his path of suffering. Paul, the apostles in the early church, continuing that work, that path of suffering. And the book of Acts is actually left open-ended. And the intent there is to show that we, the church, God's people today, are continuing the work of the Spirit that Jesus commissioned, commissioned them with in Acts. And when we live this way, not sleepwalking through life like Bobby talked about last week, not living for selfish ambition or self-preservation, but suffering in the name of Jesus, teaching, 
giving, crying, suffering together in obedience to the Holy Spirit. When we live Paul's words that to live is Christ and to die is gain, God will show out. People will hear and respond and be saved. What is it worth to us to know that even just one more person hears the good news of Jesus Christ, turns from their sin, and receives forgiveness? This is why Paul was able to set his face to Jerusalem. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He oversaw the stoning of Stephen. He knew what he was getting into going back to Jerusalem. But for Paul, if it meant one more person hears the good news of Jesus Christ and receives forgiveness in him, it was worth it. I know what it feels like to have the weight of my sin lifted off of me and put on Jesus. Okay, I want to close with just a couple application points. As God's people obey the Spirit of God, God shows out and people get saved. So the first point is that God's Spirit first leads us out of sin and darkness and into his light. So if you have never responded to the call of the Holy Spirit to come out of the darkness, to turn from sin, and to receive forgiveness for your sin in Christ Jesus, obey that call. Secondly, if you are a Christian and you've responded to the general call of the Holy Spirit to turn from your sin and put your hope in Christ Jesus, but you're walking in darkness, it is a mercy of the Holy Spirit that he doesn't leave us in darkness, but that he continues to draw us into his light. Remember the message at the beginning is a message of repentance from sin and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. So the point is not to be perfect, not to never sin. The point is to obey the Spirit. It's a mercy of the Spirit when he pricks our conscience and when he weighs on us to come out of our sin and into light. And at Soma, we've built uh, a bit of a trellis to promote that um, life of repentance and faith together. We've got missional communities where people gather uh, throughout the week in homes just to share their lives and to be known amongst other Christians. And then more intimately, we've got discipleship groups where groups of men gather uh, and just share their lives. Groups of women gather and share their lives. So if you are a Christian, be known. Be known to this community. Second point, the Spirit leads us to suffering, sacrifice, and tears. So let's not be surprised when God calls us into hard works. Let's not be surprised when God calls people that we love in this community to do hard things. And let's help each other to suffer and to sacrifice well in obedience to the Spirit. Bear up under one another's burdens. And lastly, the Spirit leads us to glory. So Jerusalem, where God had set up his presence, his earthly dwelling, earthly dwelling amongst his people... We see in the, through the book of Acts that Jerusalem was not intended to be a permanent dwelling for God, but a type to point us to a more complete reality, which we see play out in the book of Revelation, John's vision for a new, new Jerusalem, where we will live with Jesus and his people totally unhindered from the weight and effects of sin. John actually draws a lot on Ezekiel's vision for this new city, which Ezekiel calls Jehovah Shammah, where God is there. And it's not even just a future glory that we just have to grit our teeth, obey the Holy Spirit, suffer together. 
until we receive the new Jerusalem. But we get a foretaste of that now. God's presence is here amongst his people. And as we do life together in obedience to the Spirit, on behalf of others, longing for them to hear and receive the good news of Jesus Christ, people will see Jesus. When God's people obey God's Spirit, God shows out. He's leading us to glory, but the only path there is through Jesus and through his suffering. This is the way that Jesus made for us when he suffered himself in obedience to the Spirit in our place for our sins on the cross. We remember this suffering every Sunday as we share this meal of communion together. I think I left my cup at my seat. Uh, But if you just take your cup with me and remember Jesus' body broken on the cross. Thanks so much. In obedience to the Spirit for our sins and through his blood shed on the cross, we can receive the forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit to live in this new life. Would you take with me? Body of Christ broken for you. Blood of Christ shed for you. Father God, again, we thank you for this word. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience. Even obedience into suffering, suffering on the cross, bearing the weight of our sin, paying for it in our place so that we could know life with you by your spirit. God, we thank you for your spirit, that you didn't leave us alone to figure this out on our own, but that you've given us a helper. I pray, God, for Soma Northwest, for the people here this morning and online, that we would know life by the spirit, that we would be a people that seeks to hear your voice, that we help each other discern your voice, we help each other obey your voice. Jesus, we thank you that you have gone to prepare a place for us in in the new Jerusalem, that we can live now uh, in this difficult time, this difficult place, in the suffering that you've called us to, with a sure hope, Jesus, that you will come back and restore all things, make all things new, and bring this new Jerusalem where we'll live with you and your people totally unhindered from sin. God, we long for that day, and I pray that you would help us to live in light of that sure reality now that we would be able to do the hard work that you're calling us to. Father, help us to be intentional as a community to listen to your call and to obey it when we hear it. Father, for those who have not heard your voice yet, I pray that you would call them to you, that they would receive the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that they would be brought into this family. And Father, for those of us who have heard that call and obeyed, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would help us to live lives of obedience to you, that as you convict us of sin and you weigh on our conscience, God, that we would see that as a mercy from you and we would respond to it in obedience. God, be with us as we leave this place now, your people scattered out into this community, that we would take the good news of Jesus Christ to our workplaces, in uh, our communities. 
We love you, Lord, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.